and Gary Beck talked to me about this, said that, uh, you know, when you went over to the minor team, bringing your centrifugal uh, clutch knowledge with you uh, was what made such a huge difference for them over there, too. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it, I think it did help them, uh, you know, get on course. They'd uh, sort of strayed away uh, with the spring stuff. They had some very advanced uh, spring clutch uh, deals, but uh, it was uh, it was hard to maintain. And remember, this a lot of this stuff was uh, was pre uh, pre data logger, you know, and uh, uh, and that that was a whole new deal. So uh, you had to be real careful to try and get the car to repeat. You know, it's it was uh, one of those deals where boy, you better be thinking, well, gee, I did this, now what could this possibly have? How could this possibly influence the rest of the, the run? Well, you know, a little luck of the draw involved there too. You know, I mean, yeah, we we made, you know, we did well that you know, went in that race and everything, and had the consistency. But but we learned a lot in the match race circuit. Newman was right. You know, it, there was a there was a lot to be learned out there. Yeah. Um, as far as your career terry uh i know that when when us as fans and trust me i'm a fan first uh when we look at this the u.s nationals of course in in my mind is the pinnacle of terry cap's career but i'm guessing that that's probably not the way you view it is it no i i'd say you're right there uh you know that that was the one that you you know like winning the stanley cup if you're a hockey player type of deal and you know everybody that's sort of what you shoot for and you know we were fortunate with that and of course a lot of the other races that we had and uh, you know especially on the national national trail were like memorable and and you know uh, i was thankful for the success that we had there uh you know with 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 bernie and uh, west van dusen and whatever crew chief, crew people we had whether it was uh, ron baxter or mo barrel or or even uh, al ma who who helped us out quite a bit as well. Bernie had him trained. And Rob Flynn. You know, Rob Flynn uh, hung around the car quite a bit, and Bernie uh, uh, sort of mentored him and such. And, you know, look what he turned out to be. He's kicking butt now. Well, I and, and you know, it, this wasn't the only big event that you guys won. I mean, you, you've got some AHRA wins in here, including what, some national titles on the AHRA, or was it IHRA? Uh we won the the Tulsa Grand American Series. I think that was IHRA. Thinking back in '74, uh, you know that. Uh, and then we we uh, we had some AHRA uh, uh, events as well. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, I think the HRA races that we had uh, uh, probably was with uh, the Royal Canadian uh, or the Bubble Up Car. You know, we raced more AHRA after Bernie went south. And uh, uh, I don't think we, yeah, oh, no, no, I'm wrong. You know, we, I think we did quite well at uh, the opening of uh, Spokane. Matter of fact, Ed the Ace McCullough and ourselves made the first pass down that quarter mile at the very first drag race they had at that new facility at Spokane. Yeah, that's right. So we, you know, we, we bashed our heads there a bit too. So, uh, and I think we won that race and so did Ace. Maybe we were the only ones there, but nonetheless, we did. <laughs> 
Did you guys, did you guys ever, my hometown track here is Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Did you guys ever manage to get down there to that track or not? Not, not me, but Bernie, I'm sure did. Yeah. Yeah. We went there a few times with, well, with force actually, I guess. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was a, uh, there was a lot of history in that one. I, I remember you guys being there. I was there. I remember when you guys came through and, you know, we at one point or another, Bernie, we had that, you know, it's it is the oldest continuously operating drag strip in America. Um, and I tell you, my my youth spent down at that track. There wasn't anybody that didn't come through that track. We saw everybody come through. And I do remember force coming through. And of course, Coyle was told me a lot of stories about it. He he was there so much, you know, and uh, it was a Chai Town car. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh so yeah, there were some good stories there. <laughs> there was, yeah, there, most of them we can't talk about here. <laughs> a lot of fun stuff went on down there. I I spent I spent I don't know if you want to call it wasted youth, but I spent my youth down there. And and you know the thing that I never realized, guys, was that I I always wanted to be involved in drag racing, and I would have been happy to just be a tire wiper. I didn't know that I could could have been a tire wiper it would never occurred to me that i could have gone to one of these racing teams you know like like jerry newman and said hey you need some guy to show up and volunteer on the weekends i didn't know i could do that otherwise i would have been doing it well there was a lot of teams that had volunteers you know we'd go to the winter nationals and specifically jason rupert who was up and coming young guy well he's getting he's catching up to some of us but he was always there wanted to help us you know bernie would specifically have him go get water you know, this is when we were running blocks that uh, even aluminum blocks that had water jackets. He'd say, OK, we'll go get it. Go get another five gallons of water. And, and then he'd, we'd pour it in and then we'd just run it out again just to keep him busy. Type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie always had a method, you know, and, and uh, so, you know, volunteers and we, we've we've had them before. And uh, and of course, you know, they got to be watched. But Bernie, uh, he picked and chose the chose the right right guys, and it was uh, worked out quite well. But I'm sure that you you probably could have got on there. There was something you missed out, Randy. I, I know, I know. There's still time. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I I'm 55. I'm still doing okay, but I don't know if I could bend over and wipe tires anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can yeah. lift the body on a funny car. There you go. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a one-handed body lift deal is. Yeah, you got to be young and herky for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of Rupert, I saw the name show up on a drag strip uh, last weekend, and I got a hold of Carl Olson right away. And I'm like, hey, Carl, what's the, I I see the Rupert name out there, and I saw the name Black Plague on the front of that funny car. And he's like, oh, yeah, all of us old guys sitting down in Section 24 were cheering like crazy when they made the program. Yeah. Yeah, well, his dad was instrumental, and and matter of fact, Saskatoon Raceway, where we frequented often, uh, uh, Jason's dad married the sister of Les Howard, the guy that was the the promoter of that track, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's how how these things happen. That's what happens when drag racers go out of town, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Frank was a great racer. Yeah. Yeah, he he drove some good cars, some of those front engine cars, Eagle Electric, and and uh, all those. So, yeah, he had, yeah, he drove some good stuff. 
Well, I, 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 I couldn't, I, you know, it was one of them things where I had to do a double take. I'm, I, you know, I, Carl Olson's a friend and I, he, I know his history extremely well. And when I saw that name black plague on the front of that car, I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute here. So I, I was glad to see some hit. It's neat to see the history in the sport. Uh, that's what I love. You know, every mm -hmm. now and then you get that little glimpse of the past in, in our current, in our current NHRA. And it's really neat. And I know a lot of people, your pedestrian sort of fan doesn't know any of that stuff, but for me, it's really neat to see that. Well, that's how you're helping, you know, get it out there with deals like this, right? And, uh, you know, we got the Nostalgia Funny Cars, and I actually raced Jason a few times with uh, the Bubble Up car, and uh, when he had the the Nostalgia, uh, that was the Black, it's all been the Black Plague, but that brought great memories back, you know. Here we raced against his dad, and now we're racing against uh, against the son type of deal. It's kind of uh, kind of ironic, but uh, nice that we're still all around to do that. Yeah, they uh, that's they definitely uh, their family definitely lived uh, lived drag racing. There's you know that was their that was their deal, <laughs> man. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys ever race any of those? I, I realized that by the time you guys were doing top fuel, a lot of those legendary SoCal tracks were closed. Did you did you get to race any of them other than OCIR? Did you did you ever get down to Lions? Did you ever get down to any of those tracks? We went we went there as fans weren't uh, to, to uh, Lions, but uh, uh, we never. I don't think we ever raced any. Actually, raced any events down there. Now you can recall. No, 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 we, we didn't. Uh, I, Lions is one of those tracks that always fascinates me. As a matter of fact, uh, Carl Olson and me and uh, uh, I believe Steve Reyes now are, are sort of collaborating on a book that we're doing about, actually about the last race, uh, December 2nd, 1972 at Lions. So uh, it's it's been, it's a hell of a track. It's one, one of them storied deals. Yeah, like Orange County, this tracks have so much history. Yeah. I mean, we uh, we ended up winning the last drag race at Orange County with uh, with Beck, and, uh, and that was I just thought about that the other day. Actually, it was a uh, was kind of a neat experience. <laughs> not not to, a little different feel though than than Lions, but still still a win one of those iconic tra uh, tracks was good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but what I believe what was it? Nineteen God, well, I want to say it was nineteen eighty three. Was the last time they held the? Was it the finals they held there? No, yeah, yeah, they held the finals there, but uh, but then they had the last drag race was I guess later on that you know before after the season ended basically. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Well so this is this is where we've kind of reached that point where paths split here um so uh, terry why don't i start with you uh bernie <laughs> i asked gary beck about this i said what'd you do did you go over and steal terry caps <laughs> mechanic or what, what what's the deal here and he goes no i didn't we didn't steal them or maybe i did that's what he said <laughs> but anyway so your paths diverge here so terry where did you what what was next for you? Well, after after that, you know, Bernie had the opportunity, and you have to strike when opportunity knocks. And you know, I was hated to see him go as a friend and as a neighbor and such. But uh, you know, onto greener pastures because you know we were at the point where 
where all the all the big sponsors were coming in, the the breweries and so on and so forth. And we just weren't in a position to do that, you know, because I had family here and business here and it just wasn't going to materialize. So consequently, when Bernie's opportunity came up and he went uh, went south, uh, that was just great for him. And of course, I missed him not only as a partner, a friend, <clears throat> a crew chief. Uh, it was hard to see him go, but it was for the better. So after that, I didn't do a hell of a lot. And uh, I even got to the point where I wouldn't even bother looking at National Dragster until my longtime friend, Ron Hudson, came around and he says, uh, we're going to the Winter Nationals. And I says, oh, good, have a good time, <laughs> that type of thing. And he says, no, 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 you're coming. And I just kind of let things slide type of deal. I came home from work one day and, and uh, Rochelle, my wife said, uh, Ron left an envelope there for you. So I thought, okay, what does he want? Well, there you are. There's, you know, we're going to the Winter Nationals, plane tickets, right? So we went to the Winter Nationals. And uh, of course, that's in the spring. And by mid-season that year, he put together uh, uh, the Royal Canadian uh, top fuel car. And uh, we campaigned that and uh, raced Spokane and, and, uh, and Seattle and uh, a few race, race tracks like that. And I think Saskatoon, it kind of kept it local, but it it ran well. And Gordon Jenner was kind of tuning it up and Dale Adams was involved with the car too. So we had some some really, really good guys. And Ron pulled one of his mechanics out of the dealership, uh, Dan Brochu, and uh, he was a, helped with the tune-up and such. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun with that. And uh, after putting that on the shelf for a while, Ron decided uh, that it must be time to... Uh, bring out a new bubble up, the second generation bubble up nostalgia funny car. So that kind of uh, hit the drawing board and it, it, it came to fruition. And consequently, uh, we we ran that uh, with uh, crew chiefs like uh, Roland Leong and uh, Bob Papernick, which is a local fella here uh, that uh, had a successful drag racing career back in the 70s and such. And he he was on board and uh, we, uh, we, we raced that quite a bit. And then uh, in between there somewhere, we uh, we brought brought on another Ron, an update. Well, actually, Rob Flynn was working for Bob Vandergriff at that time, and Ron Hobson says Cap wants to go 300. You better bring that car to Canada. So he did all the all the the legwork and the logistics all worked out. So sure enough, it showed up here at the Rocky Mountains, and it was a new edition of the Royal Canadian and. Uh, and my first pass out, it went 306 or seven miles an hour. And my wife said, well, I guess that's it. You went 300, time to go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't work. <laughs> we, we eventually, that was an IHRA race. And uh, uh, I think we ran 478 or something along those lines and 319 miles an hour. And uh, we lost to Clay Milliken. And that's kind of a controversial deal, the way that the tree functioned at that point point in time bernie was watching it and he phoned me and he said something's screwy with that tree and uh we won't go into that because it's politics type of deal but nonetheless uh we raced that car in spokane after that and uh and uh then again like i said the, the bubble up car raced that up until i think about must have been about 2010 and uh that moved on and uh, a new bubble up came up which uh is the third generation with Ron's middle son, Ryan, has been successful with that car. 
but uh, he's got Jim Basco on board as tuning it and such. And uh, that's kind of where, where that is. And of course I'm retired again, but not done. Well, uh, just so we get it on the record here, it was 4.75 at 319.37 miles an hour. Is that the fastest run you ever made? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I got to ask you from a, from a layman's point of view, you know, me, uh, is there a huge difference in a car between 275 and 320 miles an hour? Big time. Yeah. I can attest to that is when, you know, when we were running, you know, 242, 245, 247, and, you know, uh, all of a sudden, I think, I think we were the fifth top fuel car to run 250. And, uh, and I, I noticed that, well, you try going 300 and a quarter mile an hour, that finish line was there before I do it. <laughs> <laughs> what I've always been amazed by Terry is the fact that, you know, I've, yeah, I've, I've been in a couple of near misses at accidents and I, I've always theorized that it feels like time slows down, but I think your brain speeds up. Is that the same, same thing that happens when you're in a fuel car? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of a situation like every driver drives different. And uh, I, I was watching the funny cars uh, last last uh, last week uh, at the Winter Nationals, and uh, you know, with the cameras they have right now, and and uh, watching some of the drivers like Ron Caps, you know, I keep close tabs on him because there's a going joke between. Uh, first of all, uh, he was asked, or I was asked, you know, are you Terry Cap related? Are you guys brothers? Well, that went by until, you know, I got older and he got a little older. And then he'd, he'd say, no, no, where he's my uncle. And uh, now I, when I, last time I saw him, I said, so now you just say that I'm your grandfather? You know, is that how that works? <laughs> but I, I, I watch these guys up close and, you know, they're they're pre-staging the car. And even when they're staging the car with the uh, onboard camera, you know, you can see them breathing. And I'm thinking... God, I never did that. I pre-staged a car. I wouldn't breathe until I let go of the brake, <laughs> right? You know, but it, it 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 happens. It does happen rapidly, like it, it's quick. But uh, uh, I know I've heard guys say that you know you got to make sure that your brain is going to catch up to what, what's going on. Uh -huh. well, I'm I'm into the future. My brain is at the end of the quarter mile and just waiting for me to get there. <laughs> well, we'll come. We'll we'll come back to that. I like that. Um, Bernie, so you are recruited by, well, is it Gary that recruited you or was it Larry that recruited you? How did you end up over in the minor camp? Uh, Gary called me and uh, they were kind of struggling and uh, uh, their their clutch program was in trouble and uh, and they had some other issues too, but but uh, mainly the, the clutch deal. And so anyway, Gary called up and said, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, why don't you, why don't you come, uh, come give us a hand for a bit, you know? And, uh, well, Ron Baxter and I had a cylinder head shop at the time and, and, uh, uh, we, uh, I said, well, no, I, I, I'd have to, you know, I'll have to check with my wife, Mary, of course, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, if, if everyone agrees, if all parties agree, uh, then, uh, then maybe we can talk. So, so I checked with the upper management and so as to speak, and, and, uh, uh, they all said, no, no, go, go ahead, you know, go, go to this, go to a race with them. So see if you like it or something. So, so I did. And I went, ended up going down there and we, uh, 
we, we actually ran pretty well, but we were blowing up the engines. We had some some experimental pistons and stuff in it. And the, the guys had thought were pretty good. We were going to be good, but they weren't, as it turned out. And uh, uh, so... Um, well, Bertie, you got you to you got to admit, not admit, but you have to agree on this that uh, during us racing up here in Canada, and when Beck moved moved here, uh, Bernie and Gary worked together quite closely, which helped both us out. And uh, and uh, Beck was instrumental in making us as good as we were, actually. Right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, we, we yeah he he helped us a lot. Well, I, you know, for you, Bernie, uh, that, that program was, it was something, I mean, you think I I've thought about this, you know, you've got what ended up being Gary Beck's pinnacle year, uh, driving that dragster for Larry minor. And, but at the same time, you've got Ed McCulloch in there. Uh, and I, were you still around when, uh, didn't they bring Dick LaHaye in at one point too? Wasn't he part of that whole camp? Well, Dick was Dick. Uh, Larry sponsored uh, Dick, and uh, would put him on the Miller High, Miller High Life uh, program, and uh, and so uh, uh, yeah, we 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 had lots of lots of lots of talented guys to to talk talked about, you know. But we uh, actually this was a little prior to that, where the area we're t- talking about, and uh, we were uh, we uh, kind of a uh, Aligned ourselves a little bit with uh, Lanny McGlazy, well, actually his dad, uh, and uh, uh, they were had L and T clutches, and uh, uh, Tony, of course, was a you know was a real good mind when it came to the clutches, and and uh, uh, so he uh, gave us a little guidance and stuff, and helped us, with, you know, better maybe ex- maybe experimental parts a little bit and stuff, and so we. Uh, we did, uh, you know, we, we had uh, the advantage of having some good, some good experienced guys, you know, so. Well, I mean, you, you guys had to be stretched, and, you know, during like 80, 83, 84, 85, during that period, you guys had to be stretched really thin with everything that was going on. With and Larry was driving a car, you had Gary in a car, you had Ed McCulloch in a car. I mean, that's a lot of stuff going, a lot of moving where, parts. Where did, Cruz, where did Cruz come into this picture, Bernie? Uh, well, he, uh, uh, when uh, we added uh, uh, Miller to the program, of course, and uh, anyway, they wanted a dragster and a funny car, and uh, Cruz was uh, uh, Cruz was available for the uh, for the funny car, and uh, Ed uh, Ed was going to drive the dragster, and uh, ended up in a situation where. Uh, uh, we, it looked like the program had plenty of potential, but uh, it was we were blowing the body off the funny car, and that, of course, that that was in my uh, that was in my lap, and uh, and so anyway, we uh, uh, <laughs> we ended up uh, parting company at that point, you know, and uh, uh, so and the rest uh, is history, as they say. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah it turned, <laughs> out to be, turned out to be a good move, you know. It, it's uh, one of those. Uh, I wasn't in the unemployment line for too long, but as a matter of fact, uh, I never really missed a race. So, so, <laughs> but, uh, well, I, you know, I, I, Larry Miner, I, I've, I've always heard that Larry Miner could be 
difficult. He had his own ideas about how things should happen, but at the same time, I also heard that Larry Miner was a heck of a heck of a racing mind. I mean, he just had a good mind about him. Yes, he did. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Yeah, he, yeah, he was a hardcore racer. Yeah, he spent a lot of money on on the deal, but uh, you know, he uh, yeah, he uh, <laughs> had his uh, thoughts on how it ought to be, and I'm not so sure that uh, I would be different if, I, if it was mine. So. You know, but, uh, you know, so. Uh, okay, so since I got you here, Bernie, I got to ask you one question. I know this is off of our topic with Terry, but I have to ask you this. Uh-huh. Um, I believe it was Baton Rouge, right? Yeah. Larry, Gary's chasing the championship. Larry yeah. and Gary end up in the <laughs> in the final together. What happened to Gary's car? What what made it so he couldn't? Uh, one of those, uh, uh, Gary's car was, was, I mean, it was running good. And, uh, uh, Larry might be not so good. I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, uh, anyway, uh, we broke a fitting, uh, uh, fuel pressure fitting and, uh, uh, on Gary's car. And they, uh, uh, that was all it signed off, you know? And, uh, so, uh, <laughs> you didn't throw the race. You didn't throw the race. <laughs> no, no, we, uh, no, it was, uh, was not to be, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, we sure could use those points, you know, and, uh, but that's the way it is. It's maybe, you know, it depends if you agree with the concept of, of, uh, you know, team cars and all that stuff. So I don't know. You know our attempt at it wasn't, wasn't successful. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about that was, up until that point, me as a fan watching this, you know, Diamond P or whatever it was we were watching then, um, it never occurred to me that one racer would actually throw a race for his teammate. And the thing about it was it was so obvious because <laughs> Larry was trying to throw that race and it was like, wow, it was an, it was a unique moment for me, I remember, as a fan. Well, it wasn't rehearsed because, uh, you know, it was obvious the way it turned out, so... There was no, there was no plan. It was just that Gary's car was running better and, and, uh, it, it should have won. And, uh, we had lane choice and all the whole deal and everything was going our way until it was. I I'm going through all of your bio history here and, uh, you're in the Canadian, is it the Canadian Motorsports hall of fame? Is that what that is up there? Well, it, yes. I think that was the first induction in 202, the Canadian Motorsports hall of fame. And then I got inducted into the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame, which is virtually, you know, everybody says, oh, what the hell are you? Are you a track and field guy or a baseball player or a hockey player? But, you know, uh, uh, racing and drag racing specifically in Edmonton is a sport. I mean, it's big time and it was before and it still is. So that's, uh, you know, because of my accomplishments, I got inducted in there in 208. And then in, uh, let me think, I guess, 2015, got inducted into the drag racing hall of fame and then here in 2022 the newly formed the western canadian motorsports hall of fame so you know there's lots of fame and lots of halls but uh, like i say that and a buck won't buy a coffee but still it's a privilege to be in all those venues so what was it because of of all of you guys that were up there in canada you know this whole group uh of outstanding racers it, it when did Senair, that track, Molson, when did that come into existence? And was that pushed by you guys up there? Or was that something that came out of the NHRA themselves? I mean, that that was 
that was NHRA themselves, and that was Eastern Canada, which is, you know, Eastern Canada and Western Canada are like two different countries almost. You know, they east they they figure they're pretty hot uh, and so on and so forth. Canadian Hall of Fames, and and you know, we kind of led into Air with that whole group up there. And uh, Bernie, I, I I'm looking through my paperwork here, and I can't find it now, but. Uh, you're in several of those Hall of Fames up in Canada also. I know that you're in the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame too also. Yes, uh, yeah, I, uh, in the Canadian uh, Motorsport Hall of Fame, I guess it is, and uh, the Drag Racing Hall of Fame. That's Canadian Diversion and uh, International and uh, Garlet Steel. And uh, I guess I, I, apparently I got grandfathered into the uh, Western Canadian uh uh, motorsport Hall of Fame. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah, Bernie and I both got grandfathered into that, and that's that's inaugural was last uh, uh, last year, and uh, it'll be not this fall, but the next fall we'll we'll have another uh, group of inductees. Uh, Ron Hudson and myself are two of the fellows that are the directors, and actually uh, Ron and I pretty well spearheaded that thing to get it to happen, and it's it's uh, it's kind of uh, it's quite successful, and we've got some some good members in there, and of course. Uh, we automatically transferred anybody that was in the Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame and the Drag Racing Hall of Fame into the Western Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame. That's where that all ended up. Yeah. And and the Wheeler Dealer car. Now, is this the one? I discussed this. I discussed wheel pants with you. We actually had a, a big episode on wheel pants, and that's what prompted Steve Gibbs to call me because we talked to Tommy Ivo. I talked to uh pat dakin i talked to jim walther i talked to uh, steve gibbs i talked to I, I forget all the people i talked to about wheel pants it was a neat episode anyway yeah i saw that under, under your dry hops you know? yeah it, it was yeah. Uh, you know what it's and i came across this piece of footage of the uh mendez crash with that rocket car down at gainesville and did some clips out of it and <laughs> well apparently it was a smashing success but anyway the the wheeler dealer car with the wheel pants on is that the one that's in the in the uh museum right now yes it is yeah it's in the in the in the western canadian uh museum uh the reynolds museum but it's owned now by the alberta government so it's making tours to various museums actually it's right at present it's in uh in just the museum in edmonton previous to that it was in a museum in Drumheller, which is predominantly uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> so I, I was, you know, somebody says, hey, your, your Wheeler Dealer car is in the Dinosaur Museum. I said, I suppose there's a picture right beside me there. And he said, no. <laughs> anyway, so what, what all went into the, I mean, did you restore that car? Or was somebody else responsible for restoring no, that? Uh, uh, Sean Dill actually did the work. You know, Sean Dill has uh, been on several teams before, and he's in uh, Indianapolis, a neighbor of Bernie's that works for Waterman down there. But uh, a, a doctor out of Winnipeg, Dr. Brian Friesen, uh, actually was visiting some guy's garage, and uh, they were having a couple of beers or something, and, and uh, Dr. Friesen noticed that under the bench there was a quick-change rear end. And he says what the hell is that type of thing? And the guy said, well, that's a quick change rear end that was in, in Terry Capp's Wheeler dealer car. And he says, how do you know that? He says, because I owned it. And he said, do you still own it? He says, no, but I know the guy that does. 
So anyway, it was left at that. Then Dr. Friesen, he followed up and made some phone calls and did some visits and such. And uh, and uh, the fella pretty well said, yeah, that's it. You know, we chopped the front end off. We made it a little shorter and we put a Chevy in it and on, on, on and on and on. And he says, well, uh, was it the wheeler dealer car or what's left that's the wheeler dealer car? And he said, well, the roll cage. So that was good enough for Dr. Friesen. And uh, he, he uh, undertook to buy that car. But previous to that, he phones me and he said, I think I found your old race car. But you wouldn't imagine how many times I've had somebody call and say, you know, I think we found your, your old race car. I've got one of your race cars. And if that would be the fact, we've gone through hundreds of them. But none, nonetheless, well, there was a couple of ways that he could identify that car. And one of them was take the grip off the steering wheel the wood grip and see if there's a number in there. And uh, he said, Oh, I'll do that next time I'm over there. So he goes and he checks with this guy and he takes the grip off and he said, yeah, there's a number. It's called it's six, two, seven. I said, well, the steering wheel is right. <laughs> you know, anyway, to make a long story short, he said, would, would I uh, be in agreement if he undertook to restore that car? And I said, no, God, I'd be honored, you know? So that took quite a while and Bernie can attest to that. I mean, Sean Dill, he wanted the same pistons in it, the same manly valves. Everything had to be exactly the same. So, you know, between Sean Dill and Bernie and myself and Wes Van Dusen, we're trying to, you know, there's pictures and there's there's they're they're doing investigations. They're looking at at various photos that uh, NHRA has and you know uh, amateur photographer pictures, so on and so forth. And it got to the point where I was getting tired answering Sean Dill's questions. The last one that I remember that stuck with me, he says, okay, what color was the reverser cable? And I, I'm thinking, okay, Morris cables are either gray, red, or black. I said, nah, the car's red and silver. Who knows? Uh, red? Okay, fine. Three days later, he says, bullshit. It was black. I, no, it was gray. I found a, a close-up copy of it. So that's the way that car went together, even to the wheel pants. And wow. uh and, and then, you know, in, in the interim, uh, Brian spent a ton of money on restoring this car. We cackled it at Bowling Green, which was, was an experience in itself. And, and of course, at, uh, at the Hot Rod Reunion, and uh, Gibbs was involved with it at that point in time. So we cackled it there. As a matter of fact, I said, to, said to, uh, to Steve, I said, what's the chances of us pulling this thing up to the starting line? And I'll just do a, a burnout and just shut it off, right? Steve says, well, we'll see what we can do, but you know, we really can't do that. And before it even got to the point, everybody that had a had a, a nostalgia car there wanted to do the same thing. So, you know, Steve said, God, sorry, Cap, you know, we can't make this happen, which was fine. You know, we cackled it there. And uh, and then it sat in the museum uh, at the L.A. County Fairgrounds and NHRA's museum for a period of time. And then, like I said, we took it to Baton Rouge and we or to uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, we fired it there, and it was a it was a nice nice reception there, and everything else, and uh, and then uh, it came back to Indianapolis, which we cackled it there, and uh, brought it back to Canada, and uh, basically the doctor says, you know, I'm done with this thing, it's your problem now, uh, <laughs> I'm going to donate it to the museum, and I'd like you to make the presentation of such. So that's that's what happened. Bernie, what was your involvement in, in the restoration? Was it mainly focusing on the engine, or how were you involved? I did a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the, I did a lot of work uh, 
uh, and uh, came kind of with a net result that I don't remember, or <laughs> I can't believe I don't remember this, but, uh, or, well, I'll, I know where to look or something. And Sean was, uh, Sean is a, oh man, he's, he's, he's a, a pit bull when it comes to, to, uh, you know, chasing down the details. He's got way more patience for it than I did, but, uh, uh, he did an amazing job and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he's, uh, the guy's a real talent. Bernie, were you down at Bowling Green and at, at Bakers or Bakersfield when they cackled that thing? Uh, no, unfortunately I wasn't out on the road touring. Uh, apparently so. Yeah. I wouldn't have missed it otherwise. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that I was down at Bowling Green, uh, last year and, uh, the cackle fest has kind of shrunk a little bit and I see the NHRA has made some changes to the hot rod reunion and to Bowling Green. And, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the future is of all of that, but, um, I, I give, you know, I have to take my hats off to Steve Gibbs for what he's done with that Nitro Revival to continue sort of the theme of what he started with the with the Hot Rod reunion. I don't know if you guys have any comments on that or not. I, I uh, when when I first heard from you and from Henry Walther, uh, uh, I, I was I was uh, contemplating going to that, but you know I, I'm still working, so it, you know the the work deal got in the way type of deal. But I definitely would. Uh, put that on my whatever it is that list and uh and uh try to try to hit that up maybe even maybe even next year because beck goes to that and a bunch of those old hot rodders and such and i'm kind of a hot rodder at heart too i've got a, a few cars well that first 32 ford is sitting in the garage here behind me so you know that's uh just a, a testament to the hot rod type of thing so but it, it seemed like a hell of a deal i followed as much as i could online and uh it's something that somebody should do obviously well, you know, the the neat thing about it, it and I I never had the chance to get to the California Hot Rod Reunion. Like I said, I went to Bowling Green, but the thing that was fascinating to me about it was, and actually John Force showed up this year. Uh, Steve Gibbs was running around in the golf cart and he was in the autograph session. But uh, the thing that occurred to me was that it was not so much an event about drag racing it was it, it was like a family reunion and that's what it, the video that i put out when i when i got back from there that's what i called it was a drag racing family reunion and the atmosphere was you guys i mean the just just the brotherhood and i know you guys were all competitors back in the day but now it's it just feels like you're all a big family yeah i think uh, that that's probably right you know you hear from these guys every once in a while and then you know, watching your website and such, you know, it brings back a lot of memories too, you know, like with, with Carl Olson and, you know, we had a lot of fun with, with Mike Poole and him. That was, you know, like a black and white type of deal, you know, Carl Stretcher, straight laced guy and business, business type of thing. And cool was as far the other way as you could possibly go, but, you know, hell of a guy, you know, you've got, you know, all these other fellas that, you know, we've, uh, that we've raced with, previously and bernie has quite a bit you know it's nice to go to uh to some of the events and uh, see guys like marvin graham and uh that you haven't seen for a little while and uh, it's just uh it's uh, it's nice last year if i remember right the car count was uh 72 there was 72 uh fuel cars uh nostalgia cars on the property it was it was a hell of a deal and i don't know how they're going to top themselves this year but yeah terry yeah 
I mean, you should hook up with Gary Beck. I mean, he came down last year, brought both of his uh, hot rods down. You guys should come down there together. Yeah, yeah. Well, that uh, I, I could drive one of his hot rods there, but I'm sure as hell not bringing any of mine that far. <laughs> but <laughs> but Gary, Gary did show up in Canada for uh, called Deuce Days here. It's going to be what four years ago, three or four years ago, where I, where we did take our Deuce. Uh, truck to that race and that was or not race to that car show it's uh, phenomenal but uh no i keep in touch with becky you know i uh, uh ran across a guy that had a bunch of trains so i thought you know i better better let beck know there might be something he needs to add to his collection <laughs> <laughs> he, he sent me a couple of videos of uh his train set and his I'm like holy crap <laughs> God, it, it's 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 nuts and i think bernie you've seen it when you're in california probably but he's He's expanded that considerably. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I've uh, seen his videos and stuff, and man, it's, it's, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, it's Gary, you know, I mean, he's meticulous and, and, uh, and ingenious, and, and, uh, he, uh, really, uh, really did a job with that stuff. Wow. I, 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 not sure I understand it exactly, but, uh, but it looks like fun, but I don't know, man, it's, a lot of a lot of interesting things to be pursued, you know, and and I'm not sure that would be high on my bucket list, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you know, uh, I messaged Gary uh, a couple of days ago. I said, "Hey, this interview is going to finally happen." And he he said he sent back to me. He's like, "Good, I got a whole bunch of my friends that are waiting to see this one." <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. So, uh, you Bernie, uh, Bernie, I got a question for you. Uh huh. I noticed this when I was I went back and watched the US Nationals again last night just so I knew what I was doing. You you always had a a a, a fuel bottle in your hand. And when Terry would be backing the car up, you'd be squirting fuel in that injector. You're the only person I ever saw do that. Why were you doing that? Well, we probably uh, had the fuel system all messed up and the only way we could keep it running <laughs> didn't, didn't know how to make a good idle circuit, you know. <laughs> Well, there's, <laughs> well, there's, there's an honest an answer. answer. Yeah. Well, we I think that particular car, uh, the the way that fuel tank was designed, there was a a baffle that wasn't quite in the right place. See, that's that was one of the first B52s that Al Swindle built yeah. between Ruth's and ours, right? And uh, and uh, no, Bernie had that uh, that bottle going all the time. I, I actually thought when I saw that, I thought it was water and maybe he was going to give me a shot in the face and wake me <laughs> up or something. But anyway. <laughs> Wait, okay. So, you know, maybe we're not done. I got to ask both of you this question. Uh, the Al Swindle chassis. I mean, Gary Beck said too, when because I asked Gary, there was a period of time from about 78 to what would you say, 80, 81, 77 to 80 or 81, where the top fuel sport was just sort of stagnant. You know, Garlitz had that, you know, Cinderella run that he had where he blasted the ET. But during that period of time, there was really no advancement until the swindle chassis came out. It did, did that thing really make a difference for everybody? Bernie? <laughs> yeah, I would say yes. They were, uh, they uh, were kind of a, uh, a modern, a modern car, you know, before we kept doing the same thing over and over again. And uh, we were able to incorporate some, uh, some new uh or some fresh ideas into the way, the way the layout of the cars and whatever and the, the uh, front ends and and the interchangeability of parts was a big deal you know if you if you were somewhere uh, 
uh, off in the Thule somewhere and you knocked an A-arm off it or something, you could, uh, you could have a, an A-arm the next day or something and, you know, and it would fit, you know, that, so Swindle did a great job of that. And, uh, uh, you know, and they, they just worked well, you know, and, uh, of course, once they, uh, once you got a few good cars running them, well, then they just, just snowballed. He couldn't, you know, I don't know how long the waiting list was, but I'm sure it was pretty substantial. And, uh, cause, uh, you know, you, that was a standard. If you went out and you had a, a swindle car and you had this, these particular components and you did, and it didn't run well. Well, you had to look in the mirror, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do know that once that swindle chassis came into existence, you know, with the boxy frame, uh, that's when the sports started to progress again. I just, there was that stagnant period in there until Swindle came along with that chassis. So apparently something changed. Well, Bernie spent a lot of time in Tacoma at Swindle shop prior to us picking that car up. It was, it was typical, like all the chassis builders. Yeah, it's just about ready. And you get there and there's a bunch of pipe on the ground type of thing, but, uh, you know, bending and welding. But uh, Brad Hadman was an employee at Swindles at the time, and he's been a successful chassis builder since then. So he was involved with that. And Bernie and uh, one of our crew guys, Al, they spent quite a bit of time putting that car together. And it, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned, it worked very well. It was a dream to drive. And, uh, you know, except for the habit of picking up the front end a little bit all the time, it uh, it uh, it just definitely cruised it right along. And it was uh, uh, like Bernie said, it was easy to work on. And if you did damage something, you could call them and they'd say, okay, we'll send it over here. But uh, we, we loved that car. What what did, what exactly did that chassis do to change the center of gravity or something that, that made the sport be able to progress like that? Well, it used to hump up in the middle when you drop, when you hit, when you hit the throttle, you know, yeah. so the, the front wheels should be, should have been planted and the back wheels definitely were. And it, it, it would just, you know, hump up in the middle and, uh, and, and make it. Uh, I don't know. I think Bernie, there was the uprights were uh, were wisely chosen in their placement. I think and uh, whatever whatever that it tested to, and of course the engine, the engine, the degree of the engine and uh, where it was in the chassis was quite instrumental. Yeah, pretty well covers it. It uh, it was just it was just a happy combination as, far as race cars go. It fit it fit a lot of people's combination without a. Uh, without a lot of additional work, you know, you could, uh, you just, uh, you know, you could be rest assured that it was, you're going to have something when you had a, something uh, from one of these current car swindle cars. I appreciate you doing this with me. Um, I hope to see both of you somewhere along the way, maybe out at uh, Irwindale, California next, this, this, this fall or something. I'm going to be at Bowling Green again this year. So doing some filming. Um, but just out of curiosity, what do you guys think, what, what's the future of the NHRA look like? What do you, what, what's your opinion on it? Bernie? <laughs> uh, well, they're, uh, they're obviously working real hard and trying to, trying to get things squared away. They're, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of new blood in the, in the, uh, sponsorship, uh, deals and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of new faces and just in general in, in the fuel ranks. And, uh, I think that, uh, I, I, maybe I'm just the eternal optimist, but, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I think we're, I think I, I'm not, 
saying that it's going to ever all the problems are going to be solved, but but uh, uh, you know they're working on it. I guess you know it's uh, uh, you know and uh, will there always be agreements and disagreements and uh, as for who's got the best approach? I don't know. I know I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, but but uh, uh, you know there's uh, there's uh, there's certainly some stuff that's good coming out of all this, but. But uh, whether or not it's the answer for or, or too little, too late, I don't know. A lot of these tracks close and bother me, you know. It's kind of sad to see them. But, uh. Well, I, you know, I, I will tell you this. I'm, I'm, I was thrilled to death to see Gainesville, you know, was had a huge crowd there. And uh, uh, so did uh, Wild Horse Pass, you know. I, right. I, I, it was thrilling to see that. I, Pomona. Again, I I don't know what the issue is out there. You know, the birthplace of drag racing, basically. Uh, we can't fill that stadium out there. I, I just don't understand that. Yeah, we've been saying that for years, you know. Just, you know, I mean, it's there's been good years there, but but it's been quite a while since they had a real, real, uh, real barn burger. Well, I'll tell you what I'm thrilled about. Joliet's back. That's that's my closest NHRA race, and we used to go down there every year. I was I'm so glad to see that come back this year. Yes, uh, yeah, I'll say. Yeah. I've got. Uh, I believe I actually have some video of you and Austin working on that car down at Joliet quite a few years back. It's well, it's actually been quite a quite a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was usually a an interesting race because Coyle had a lot of. Uh, friends and relatives there well more friends or than relatives but he you know he uh, always had a lot of visitors guys from his past and that the guys he raced with and and uh it was so it was kind of fun you know for us yeah i'm I'm just glad it's back so i'm going to be down there this year like normal planted in the seats or hanging out in the pits uh paul brown that owns the doug's headers corvair now that restored that car He's a oh, buddy. Yeah. He's a buddy of mine. They've asked him to bring that car down there for part of their, you know, the historical oh. thing. So I'll be hanging out with him. Oh, that'll, oh, that'll yeah. be, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll be watching for you. On, <laughs> I'll make sure I wait at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fit. I'll wear my shirt. And make sure I can somehow manage to get my face on TV. <laughs>